I'm Jay Clark with Clark Ranch in Brownwood, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. Those who are in the business of selling fed cattle have been experiencing some big swings in the markets lately. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Democrats in Congress have released their farm bill priorities. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. Scholarship money still to be awarded to youngsters at the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo during junior livestock events this week. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. We have had a few rough spots this winter, but so far it's been a pretty good winter for Texas cattle producers. Billy Campbell has a 350 cow herd in the Rolling Plains near Matador. Really and truly, it's been pretty mild except for last week when we had those three and four and five degree temperatures. It's been pretty mild. We've had moisture. Uh, the wheat pastures have had moisture. They're really coming on good. The, the pastures are starting to see our winter grasses starting to pop up. We're seeing the rescue grass and winter wheat grass. Fillery is going to be coming soon as we get a little more warmth. So we're going to see some help in those pastures from that standpoint. Excellent grass from this fall going in. We haven't had that in two years, so we have a lot of, of old grass, not really old grass, I'd say fall grass before we got rain, which is really important. And so we've got a lot of, of that there to take us into the fall and taking us into the winter. So with the moisture we've already got, we're looking for a good spring uh, with the weather conditions we've already had. So I think the ranchers have a, in that rolling plains area where I'm at, are pretty excited about the potential of what we have. Campbell says wheat pasture did get knocked back a bit from that Arctic blast we had a few weeks ago, but the good winter moisture has made for some excellent wheat pasture this year. Registration is now underway for the Hill Country Land Stewardship Conference. The conference, hosted by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, will be held March 14th and 15th at the Y.O. Ranch Hotel and Conference Center in Kerrville. The goal of the conference is to help current and future landowners and managers learn about the unique needs for managing land in the hill country. Speakers will discuss brush management tools, top laws, sheep and goats, and managing white-tailed deer. Cost is $125. CEUs are available. A link to RSVP is available at today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Texas farmers and ranchers will soon have another way to help control wild hogs. Kaput feral hog bait will return to the market this spring. Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller says his agency registered the product for statewide use on February 1st for people with a pesticide applicator license. 
It was first approved back in 2017, but the company pulled the product due to a threat of lawsuits. Texas A&M continued to study the product, showing it was an effective way to combat the state's wild hog problem. There are more wild hogs in Texas than any other state in the nation. We've seen some big swings in the fed cattle market lately. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. Super volatile. That's how Brady Miller of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association describes the cash market for fed cattle over the past four months. If you go all the way back to where the market was, we hit 186 for the high, 185, 186. And then within about four or five weeks, we were down at 168. And now we're back up, you know, in the low 180s. Miller says in recent days, fed cattle have sold for cash at around $181 per hundredweight. In historical terms, a pretty high price, just not high enough. These cattle are still coming out of the yard losing on a cash basis somewhere around $200 to $250. The cost of feeder cattle a big factor in why it's so hard for feed yards to make money right now. With effective marketing and risk management, feed yards can improve their margins, but they may also need luck with timing. And I say that because I've been here at TCFA for 24 years. Back in early 2000s, if the market moved 25 cents or 50 cents in a week, that was a huge move. And if you look back at what happened here two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we had a $4 move in one week. So when I say luck, it depends on did I sell my cattle that week or did I hold them off a week? A week-to-week swing like the one Miller described can translate to a difference of perhaps $50 to $60 per head. Now, two things do seem to be going in cattle feeders' favor. TCFA's analysis shows that within the Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico region, January placements were down by 6% year-over-year, while marketings rose by 5%, trends that, if sustained, could help elevate fed cattle prices. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Democrats in Congress have released their Farm Bill Priorities. Jessica Domo takes a look at those priorities. The Farm Bill includes more than safety net programs for America's farmers and ranchers. It also includes funding for nutrition programs, conservation programs, and investments in agricultural research. Congressman David Scott, ranking member on the House Committee of Agriculture, recently discussed House Democrats' Farm Bill priorities in a House Ag Committee hearing. To aid these efforts and reinforce that House Democrats want to get a farm bill done, we publish our farm bill priorities and our principles. Our principles should not surprise anyone who has been following the work of this committee. Our principles are this. We want to reduce hunger. Hunger is a serious problem in our nation. And we want to strengthen our American farmers. We're losing farms, particularly family farms, at a staggering rate. We want to invest in sustainable agriculture, revitalize rural America, lower costs for farmers and families, and improve equity. He said the committee should put aside a proposal to cut benefits for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance, or SNAP, program. Whether you call it a cut or a reduction of future benefits, 
Democrats oppose it. We will not cut staff. Now, I understand that my Republican colleagues are concerned about spending. Let me make a few points here. At least you are concerned about spending when it comes to SNAP. But because the economy has improved, benefits and need for the program has decreased. House Ag Committee Chairman G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania said a farm bill is the best opportunity for Congress to change the path we're on and revitalize the rural communities that are the backbone of the nation. He said Congress can and must pass a farm bill that aligns the farm safety net with the needs of producers, expands market access and trade promotion opportunities, strengthens program operations to demand transparency and accountability to the taxpayer, and reinforces not only the importance of helping our neighbors in need, but doing so without indiscriminate expansion of our nutrition safety net. The current Farm Bill extension expires at the end of September. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Livestock show season rolls on. Tom Nicoletti goes to San Antonio for an update. Today we go to San Antonio's stock show and rodeo, the 75th anniversary of that stock show in the the Alamo City. Catching up with Morgan Thomas, she is competitive events manager for the stock show at the Frost Bank Center. And Morgan, uh, certainly a, a number of junior livestock shows are being held in this last week of the stock show. Uh, it ends on Sunday, February 25th. About how much in scholarships and grants and so forth? This is 75th year of the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo, and we're really proud of what we've done thus far, having given out and generated $255 million since our inception for funds through scholarships, grants, endowments, auctions, and our calf scramble program, as well as our stock show premiums. In 2023, last year, in total, our event awarded over $12 million to the youth of Texas. And just in the next six days alone, we have the potential of distributing over $270,000 in scholarships to some of our junior livestock kiddos, whether they are exhibiting animals, we still have the market steer and the market bear show to go through, more through our ag mechanics projects and various other contests that we still have yet to go. So we're really thankful for everything that we're able to do to help benefit the youth of Texas. It's a great program to grow up in and it's a great program to be involved in. So a lot going on in the next couple of days, but above all, being able to help kids continue their education while educating the public about Texas agriculture. It's always a great time in San Antonio. More with Morgan Thomas at the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo on our next program. And for more information on the daily schedule, check uh, sarodeo.com. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good rain in Central Texas has saturated soils and filled stock tanks. We'll have more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. This is National FFA Week, and FFA students from across the country are celebrating. I'm National FFA Southern Region Vice President Carter Howell from Florida. Many special and safe activities are happening in FFA communities this week, but all year long, FFA members experience education, leadership, service, and personal and professional development as FFA feeds our intellectual growth and curiosity. Celebrate with us and share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. 
We're the number one rated farm and ranch radio network in Texas. This is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We now go to Central Texas, where we check in with McLennan County Agent Dr. Shane McClellan. Well, Shane, it looks like the recent rainfall has been a really big help refilling stock tanks there. It really has, and that's a change with the weather where we've been having, it seems like, the last few years. Uh, it's been a while since we've had runoff water. The last rain we had received was extra, really. Topsoil and then the subsoil moisture was, I won't say full, but it was saturated. So that last eight tenths to an inch that people received was really just runoff water. And that went into some thought tanks and rivers, tributaries like Waco that are already full. And that was really nice. Good change. I think I've heard some people say that they haven't seen our soil conditions like this since about 2012. So really good change. And that sets us up for the crops that are coming up. Yeah, you mentioned those spring crops and farmers must be really itching to get into the field and get those seeds in the ground. Producers have been getting their corn uh, into the barns and shops and, and just getting ready to prepare their planters. A lot of them are ready to go, just kind of waiting for soil temperatures to warm up. And once we have some dry weather and the soil actually increases in, in temperature uh, over a consistency over time, about 50 degrees, then I expect them to get started. Well, Shane, all this rain has got to make for some good winter pastures there in Central Texas. It's a welcome sign for livestock producers. They've been on a holding pattern. They've been feeding and offering supplemental feed, hay to all their livestock. Just because we've had some cooler weather spread out over time, early in the winter period, which just kept our, our grass growth, our wheat and oats even, somewhat slowed. With that slow growth, less grazing. And actually had some forages burn back from some frost and freeze event. But now that we've got some sunshine, some warmer temperatures and moisture, all of our cool season annuals, ryegrass, and our small grains like wheat and oats are all growing and offering a lot of livestock grazing. Thanks, Shane. That's Dr. Shane McClellan in Waco. Internal parasites in horses are developing resistance to the deworming products currently on the market. Dr. Bob Judd says a new study out of England confirms the problem. One method of determining resistance to dewormers is by using the fecal egg count reduction test. In this test, the feces of horses is tested to determine the number of small strongyle parasites that are present. The horse is then dewormed and the feces are tested every two weeks to determine when adult parasites are again present and producing eggs. This period of time, called the fecal egg reappearance rate, gives us an idea of how long the dewormer is effective. When the dewormer quest originally came on the market, the egg reappearance period was 12 to 16 weeks. This means that when you dewormed a horse with Quest, you would not expect to see any parasite eggs in the feces for 12 to 16 weeks. However, a recent study in Southeast England used 48 horses to determine the current egg reappearance period in that area. The horses were dewormed with Quest on day one and two weeks all horses were negative for parasite eggs, except two, and those had very few parasites. However, at four weeks, six horses had eggs present. At six weeks, 11 horses had eggs present. And at eight weeks, 21 horses were positive for eggs in the feces. The study continued, and at 12 weeks, 31 horses were positive. And at 16 weeks, 38 of the 48 horses had strong jaw eggs present in their feces. The early reoccurrence of the parasite eggs in the feces of these horses indicates that the small strong jaws are becoming resistant to moxidexin or quest. And this is a serious issue, as these 
these parasites have already shown major resistance to Panicure and Strongia dewormers, and resistance to Ivermectin is also being noted. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. This week is National FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. And FFA students across the country are celebrating and sharing the FFA story. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. On Thursday, February 22nd, you're invited to celebrate Give FFA Day, a 24-hour fundraising effort that unites the FFA community in support of the next generation of leaders who will change the world. Learn how you can help by visiting ffa.org. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you cuss them. Here's a look at the markets on Texas Ag Today. Let's take a look back at how the markets wrapped up on Tuesday. We saw live cattle futures trade both sides of unchanged. That's how we closed it out with nearby's lower deferreds higher. February live cattle down 37 cents, 184.40. The April down 22, 187.32. With June live cattle up 12 182.95. Now feeder cattle finished higher across the board. March feeders up 35 cents, 251.37. April up a dollar 80, 255.35. The May contract up 250 at 258.12. Cash fed cattle all quiet so far this week. No bids or asking prices to report. Boxed beef was mixed on Tuesday. Choice down 12 cents, 296.88. Select up 276 at 290.16. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest today is Seth Crane, Union Commission Hondo Livestock. They sell them every Monday. Seth, how was the sale? Uh, ended up being a good run, 471 head of cattle. Had somewhere around 100 cows by the time it's all said and done. Uh, they added a little money to the cows and the bulls. Uh, you sell the real low yielding cows, 68, up to 90, and top cows all the way to $1.17. A lot of those $1.10, 15 type cows today. Bulls from $1.09 to $1.33. No pairs, and the uh, bread cow market, I tell you what, it's really taken off here in the last couple weeks 875 up to 1675 with most of those cows bringing 1200 or better calf and yearling deal these light cattle have really gotten higher again this week it looks like a uh, steer and heifer deal alike uh, they kind of sell for the same money lots of demand on them and, and sure dollaring out well big cattle uh, look like they stayed steady with what they have been being but sure good sale two to three weight steers 285 to 370 two to three weight heifer 270 up to 360 three to four weight steer 280 to 2363 Three to four weight effort, 260 to 348. Four to five weight steer, 260 to 342. Four to five weight effort, 255 to 338. Five to six weight steer, 245 to 308. Five to six weight effort, 225 to 295. Six to seven weight steers and bulls, 230 to 278. Six to seven weight effort, dollar ninety to 228. Seven to eight weight steer and bull, dollar eighty to 220. Seven to eight weight effort, dollar sixty-two to 208. So really good sale again. Looking forward to next week. If we can help you in any way, for Feel free to contact us, 830-741-8061. Get me on my cell phone, 210-288-3960. And for updates and information, visit us on Facebook or hondolifestyle.com. Neighbor, as we begin our week, box beef prices were higher Monday. Choice up 89, the select up 74. Of course, there was no cash cattle trade because of President's Day holiday. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pens. Thanks for listening to us. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. 
Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher. April up 45 cents, 85.67. May hogs up 15 at $89 even. Class 3 milk was higher. February milk up a penny, 16.18 a hundredweight, with March milk up 13, 16.97 a hundred. Big drop in cotton futures on Tuesday. We saw a drop on Friday as traders kind of wrapped up their positions and took some profits ahead of the three-day weekend. Well, as we kicked the trade off on Tuesday, didn't seem like there was anyone willing to come in and buy the market, so it headed lower. March cotton down 268 points, 91.19. May cotton down 273 points at 91.69, while new crop December was down 110 points to close at 82.98 cents. Corn market finished slightly higher with March corn up two and a quarter, 418 and three quarters. May corn up three cents, 432 and a half. September corn up three and three quarters, 450 and three quarters. Nice double-digit gains in the wheat complex Tuesday, both hard and soft wheat finishing higher. Not a whole lot of fundamental news to move the market right now, but we've got that same situation we've been talking about with Russia having big supplies of wheat and undercutting everyone on the world market. Well, we saw some news that Russia's winter wheat crop may face some sub-zero temperatures over the coming days, so maybe that put a floor in and gave us a boost on Tuesday. March Kansas City wheat up 18 and a half. At 585 and three quarters, new crop July up 17 and a half, 472 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up 18 and a quarter at 580 a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas down two cents, a dollar 58. March West Texas crude down 92 at 78.27 a barrel. The financial markets lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 108 points, 38,519. The Nasdaq down 171 at 15,604. The S&P down 37 at 4,968. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.